Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, so, installation of I talks today will be a blessing. Going to the store or to a restaurant, um, and I get a bonus. I mean, how many of you have gone to the grocery store and you, or, or to the a restaurant and you said, I'm going to buy this, and when you buy this, you get something for free? Everybody like, I see one hand of the honest people, two hands. Who likes something that's free? Everybody, okay? So I'm gonna give you something free this morning. I'm not gonna charge you any extra for what you're gonna get this morning because I'm gonna teach you a whole um, book of the Bible in a matter of minutes. You think it's done? Impossible. Because at the end of me teaching you this, there's gonna be a test and I expect you all to answer the questions that I'm going to ask you. So I've chosen the book of Mark. And why did I choose the book of Mark? Well, Mark is one of the shortest gospels. It only has 16 uh, chapters in it. Um, it was written by a, uh, they believe that it was written by John Mark. Uh, and it was the first gospel that was written. Um, John Mark um, was a teenager when he wrote this. When he started following Jesus. And so I want to just share with you quickly um, 16 verses, the 16 chapters, and you will be able to recite this with me afterwards, okay? So chapter 1, this is, this is uh, uh, where we can play with each other a little bit. Chapter 1, very simple as this. This is when you're called to be fishers of men, chapter 1. Fishers of men. You understand? That is a fishing pole with a fish on the end of it. Number two. Everybody do this. Hold your two fingers up. The room was too full. Okay? Two. Got number one. You got number two. Number three is a little bit more difficult. I'm going to have to put the mic down a little bit. But imagine the number three. Backwards. The number three. And my body... The number three, top part. So I want everybody to stand up for a second. You're going to be now becoming a number three by taking your arm. Do this. This is when the twelve disciples were called by Jesus. Come follow me. Don't sit down. Number four is a little bit more difficult. Let me try this one. I'll do this in green. Number four. Everybody know what a scarecrow is? A scarecrow helps keep birds away from your crops. That's a scarecrow. This is chapter four. This is where he tells about the Number five is when he teaches about 
legion who was in chain. Number six. Number six. This is a full belly. That's a belly button, by the way. This is when he feeds the 5,000. Number seven, this is also for you to participate. I hope you all wash your hands, take your two fingers, and grab your tongue, and say, Chapter seven is when he's trying to heal the deaf and the mute. But you can't talk when you have it like this, okay? Number eight, everybody know what binoculars are? Binoculars see far, but in Jesus, take your hand, take sideways. Now you're going to see into the That's what Jesus predicts his death. And he predicts about the, uh, uh, the blind man seeing um, the blind man seeing. Number nine. We'll go red. Number nine. It's a balloon. It's the, the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus went up. But, uh, and number 10, this is a good one, I like this one. This is when one person becomes nothing. This is the parable of the rich man giving all. One becomes nothing. Number 11, this is another participation. And number 16. The tomb is empty. That is the gospel of Mark. So what happens in chapter 1? Chapter 1 is what? Become fishers of men. Chapter 2, uh, 2 is what? The room is too full. 3 is what? being called to, to follow Jesus. Uh, chapter 4 is the scarecrow, but what does that mean? He's a sower of seeds. Uh, number 5, legion with the chains. Number 6, 
Number seven. Number eight. Number nine. Mount Transformation. Ten. That's correct. Twelve. I don't know. Number eleven. Excuse me. Yeah, in the back. Eleven. Eleven is the triumphal entry. Number twelve. That's correct. Thirteen. Bad omen for non-believers. Fourteen. He's praying in the garden. Fifteen. Crucified. And sixteen. The tomb is empty. Amen. You've learned the, the book of Mark at no cost to yourself this morning. So, this morning, I may not be able to speak directly um, to the situation of your life. I may not be able to, to, to tell you everything that's going in your life and how God interacts with our lives. But I want to, to share a little bit about my life and how God interacts with me and with you to hopefully help us all understand how God is working. The Bible teaches us um, that everything, everything comes from God. And it was given because God's great love for us all, right? I mean, Ephesians 2 says, you are saved by God's grace because of your faith. The salvation is God's gift. It's not something that you possess. It is not something that you earned. It is not something that you can be proud of. That's hard. But I want us today to have eyes wide open so that we can recognize God's work and God's grace working in our lives through our, our entire spiritual journey. I mean, I'm talking about from the time we're born to the time that we grow up to the time where we uh, accept Christ for ourselves and into the time we die. God's grace is at work. Now, I wanted to share today about God's grace. And to dig deeper into that, um, because life sometimes gets in the way. Life has this way of blinding us or blurring what God has done, is doing, and will do. I personally think that God's grace is the greatest theme of the Bible. Some people would say, well, no, it's, it's God's love. I, I think God is love, yes. But I think grace is an expression of that love. And so I hope that today we can, we can dig deeper and we can, we can look beyond the issues of life. When you get a bill from Kenya Power and Light and you don't know how you're going to pay it, or there's no food in the cupboard and how you're going to feed your children, or a relationship that just doesn't seem right, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Our vision of what God has done and is doing and will do gets blurred by those things. And so I think it's important for us to look at how God interacts with us through his grace. And so what is grace? What is God's grace? 
Well, simply put, it's God's favor and kindness towards us. It's his favor and kindness towards us. I believe it's how God interacts with mankind. I think that's how he somehow shows himself in the everyday so that we can see who he truly is. See, God rains down his grace to all mankind, not just believers. And you know, I find these concepts that we'll discuss today sometimes to be very difficult, partly because of the life I was describing that gets in the way. But I think it's even more difficult because of the depth and breadth of God's love for us all. How can you understand that kind of love? That depth of love. And so today we're going to dig a little deeper into what God's grace is, and hopefully that'll open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to what God's love really is and what his grace is. You see, I think God's grace, as I said earlier, is God's manifestation of his love for us all. How he shows us. And sometimes... He shows us in very, very small ways, sometimes in huge ways. I think it's the small ways that he does more of, and sometimes because of life, we just blow right past them. We don't see them. It's the gargantuan, huge things that he does that we can't even, we can't, you know, um, uh, miss. Even the non-believer can't miss it. You know, he gave us the beauty and wonders of nature that we can all see every day if we have our eyes open to what God has created. He gives us near misses to accidents that are sometimes headed our way. I think you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may have experienced that. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, and I hope it's also in yours, that he often brings the right thing just in time. Just in time. He gives us this innate conscience to know right from wrong. That all these things are, are common graces. These are graces that everyone born on this planet has the benefit of because God so loved the world. Now, before I believed in the Lord, God wooed me with these types of graces. Beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises, relaxing moments surrounded by God's glorious creation, fun, laughter, the camaraderie of friends. But he also lured me with thoughts that there's something more in life. Something more than just the everyday going through the motion. There is something. So just being born on this planet includes all those benefits. But when I became a believer, I got even more grace-filled benefits. In fact, believers are blessed with every spiritual blessing in, he in the heavenly realm because we are all united in Christ. 
I truly believe that. So today I want to dive deeper. And we're going to look at what God's grace really is. And the first type of grace I want to share with you, I'm going to call God's preparing grace. This is, let me ask this. How many people without God's grace working in your life before you accepted Christ would wake up one morning and say, hey, you know what, today I think I'm going to follow Christ. Or I'm going to change everything in my life because of Christ. Or today I'm going to be ruled by what Christ is telling me. Today I'm going to change my ways. Well, how many for one moment would believe that in my life, that if God weren't working before I accepted Christ, that I would somehow, some way, start following him? I think the answer is none. So this type of grace is, this, is part of the spiritual journey where God is working in you and through you before you even know it. The theologian John Wesley calls this prevenient grace, but I'm calling it preparing grace. I think it prepares us for things to come. Now, thank goodness for God's grace because I'm going to say this guy's name and I'm probably going to butcher it. Um, no, I know I'm going to butcher it. So, Reverend Nde Bondo Mwanabute from Zimbabwe says this from the African University. He says, This grace convinces them of being sinners who need God for forgiveness. Let me say that again. This grace convinces them of being sinners who need God for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit assists them to come to God and acknowledge God's will and, ho and holiness. So how do we even find God if God isn't in, in the work, uh, work of that? And so by God's grace, the Holy Spirit is present in, in our lives and drawing us closer and closer to Christ through the loving support of friends, um, maybe fa the faith of a parent, maybe a sermon or, or how God speaks to you. Somehow, some way, God is working through your life even before you knew it. That's God's preparing grace. And then the next type of grace I want to talk to you about, I think is the greatest of all. It's God's saving grace. God's saving grace. It's, it's the best grace. That is where God purchased our freedom with the blood of his son to forgive all of our sins. All of our sins. You know, this, this immeasurable gift was given to you before you believe and when you believe. You didn't have to work for it and you don't even deserve it. Because you can't do enough to earn it or, and to deserve it. And if God stopped there, if God said, you know what, the saving grace is as far as I need to go, that would be enough. But he continues to give us more grace, more kindness, more wisdom and understanding throughout our whole lives. What an awesome God we serve, amen? For he so loved the world that he gave his only son. The psalmist says in, in chapter 46, be still and know I, that I am God. 
Be still. Cease striving and know to recognize and understand that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The, the next type of grace I want to talk about is abundant grace. You see, I've sinned. I sin. And I will sin. And as many times that, that Paul expresses in uh, throughout the letters of the New Testament, I always seem to do what I don't want to do and do not do what I want to do even though I want to do the right things all the time. How is that? Yet God will forgive me each and every time that I repent. See, all sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven after you believe in Christ and you repent. All of them. That truly is abundant grace because it's not just one pill that you take and it solves the problem for that moment. It covers it all. And the problem is that sin comes naturally um, and righteously to us all. It always becomes the focus of our lives. But God wants us to focus on his word and allowing the Holy Spirit help us in those times. On my own, I seem to always do the wrong things, say the wrong things. But when I confess each sin and try to learn from it and change the way I'm thinking, the Lord forgives me. Not just now, but of all time. And we should thank God that there is much more grace than I have sinned. This next type of grace I want to share with you is called forgiving grace. Unlike what I was sharing, this grace is a little different. Because not only are our sins forgiven when I repent, but I also gain the supernatural ability to forgive others. Forgive others of their offenses that they might have committed against me or to someone else that I love. God helps me to forgive the little offenses, the big offenses, those that are even previously unforgivable. God gives us this ability to forgive. And I've learned that forgiveness is possible even when the offense has caused extreme hurt. You know, there are hundreds of examples of people forgiving even when someone has murdered someone. Think about this. Jesus, even from the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not know what they do. This kind of forgiving grace doesn't take away from the depravity of the sin or the offense, but it does provide an atmosphere where the offender can repent if he or she chooses. Your forgiveness of them lays a platform that they can stand on to possibly repent if they choose. 
But forgiving grace requires the strength of God. Because when I'm left to my own thoughts, to be quite honest, I'm looking for revenge, I'm dealing with depression, whatever it might be, and those are at the forefront of my thoughts. But forgiveness is usually a God-ordained thought. It is what God wants in our lives for him giving us this forgiving grace. I believe that this forgiving grace even needs to extend um, in today's uh, caustic social media platforms. My word, some of the things I've seen people say to each other. I mean, I've seen arguments that, that started from someone saying, I believe in something, and friends saying words to other friends, and fr friends becoming non-friends, and people judging people, and it just is a horrible way that people are treating each other. You know, my parents taught me a long, long time ago, if you don't have something kind to say to someone, don't say it. I think those words um, could be something we could learn about even more so today. And as our societies are losing the ability to have open and honest discussions that are productive and healthy, we've forgotten about this type of grace. Why can't we give this grace to people to say what they believe? You don't have to believe in what they say, but we can be graceful, grace givers to others. To let that, that grace live inside us so that God will see, or excuse me, so that others will see that God lives within us. And then the next type of grace I want to talk to you about is God's new grace. So each morning, I have this glorious chance to begin again. If I made a mistake yesterday, I've got today. I can start over with a clean slate. Every new day, every new hour, every breath is a chance for me to act better and to be better and to display the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or, or restraint, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think the world needs to see more of that and less of what I was describing just a few minutes ago. And because of his presence within me and within you, we always have new opportunities to think and do better. So instead of me thinking only of me, which is real easy to do, I can show concerns for others. Instead of being fully full of anxiety and self-righteousness, I can be full of peace and joy. Instead of tapping my foot, I can be filled with patience sometimes. God's grace gives me the self-control to act with kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. This is how we can show others around us what God's grace is. 
and that God is alive in us. This is our opportunity to demonstrate to the world around us the blood of Christ was not shed without purpose. Because I believe that that lives within us. The next type of grace, freeing grace. You know, the song we were singing, my chains are gone, they set, you know, I can be set free. Think about that for a second. God's freeing grace. You know, when I was growing up, I struggled with what people thought of me. Their opinions really mattered to me, even to the point where it would shape my actions and it would shape my thoughts. Freeing grace gives me the ability and freedom to forget about other people's opinions. I can learn to be the person that God created me to be. Before the lies of the world attach themselves to me and to you. I don't need to impress other people. I just need to be faithful to the one that created me. And he already loves me. He already loves you. But none of us in this tent have anything to prove. I am free to be me, and you are free to be you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made with a purposeful design. Getting to know God through his word helps us all to know our purpose in life. And then we can go and live it. Because in John 8, it says, if the Son, Jesus Christ, sets me free, I'm truly free. And then there's God's future grace. Do any of you have fears? I mean, real fears? I know my wife does. We won't talk about that one. It deals with a serpent in the, never mind. I'm talking about the fears that consume you and make you forget who God created you to be. Well, mine, be transparent and vulnerable, is the fear of being alone. Of being alone. Yet God has promised us and promised me that he will be with me at all times. His Holy Spirit will counsel me and prompt me as I go through my days. He is with me in each present moment. And those moments will lead to a glorious future. So even when I go through trials, and I have and will go through trials, we all have and will go through trials, He is there to help us get through them. and to make the environment better around us. I mean, Jesus even said that here on earth, I will have many trials and sorrows. He promises that. You will have many trials and sorrows. But in John 16, it says, 
I have, but I can take heart because he has overcome the world. I have hand to hold. That's grace. The feeling that I'm never alone. To always remember that grace is a gift. All of God's grace is a gift. You can't earn it, but you get a lot of it. It's free and abundant, but when you go to God in heartfelt prayer, he will always give you what you need. Forget about worrying about getting what you deserve. Let me repeat that. Forget about worrying about getting what you deserve because grace is getting much more than what you deserve. So I want to invite the, the band back up. And as I do that, I want to share with you a, a closing verse. And I think part of it was already said this morning during our time of worship. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, God's grace is sufficient. And this, this verse reaffirms that God's grace is big enough to cover every area of our lives. Many times it's easy to want to compartmentalize sections of our lives for God and from God. But God's grace covers the good, the bad, and the ugly. God's grace fills in the gaps where we fall short and we make mistakes. This is great news, people. Today, I invite you to allow God's grace to be sufficient. Be sufficient and to cover all of the areas of your life. God is not concerned with perfection, but for us to grow each day depending on Him more, God's grace shines brightest in the broken places of our lives. Amen. Amen.